Malachi chapter 3, verse uh, 10, says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may meet in mine house. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Um, of course, we believe, and we'll look, look some of the things, but as we think about the storehouse, of course, this is the Old Testament here is talking about bringing the tithes to the temple. That was the storehouse in the Old Testament. And uh, they would bring their tithes and their offerings there. And, of course, in the New Testament, it is the church. Um, but if you think about the church, you know, what is the church? You know, a church, of course, we understand from the scriptures, is an assembly. It's not a building. The building is just a meeting house. In fact, for the first, I, we don't really know how long, there were no church buildings People met in homes, because um, most of the, most of those first three hundred years, the Christians met under the veil of persecution. So uh, it wasn't really until Constantine came on the scene that buildings started propping up. So, but we see that from the scriptures that a church is an assembly. Uh, the word church is the Greek word ekklesia. And it's translated, of course, church, churches, and it's also translated assembly. In um, Ephesians chapter, um, I have it here somewhere. Maybe I don't. Thought I did. No, I'm sorry. Acts chapter 19. It was at Ephesus, so I got that part right. I just didn't get the right book. But anyway, when Paul was at Ephesus, you remember there was a uh, Demetrius, the who was one of the silversmiths, caused a big uproar, and you know he said these Christians were turning the world upside down and they're ruining our craft, and and their craft was making idols, and uh, so Paul was and the Christians were having an effect upon the uh, the monopoly that these um, silversmiths had in, in making idols. So he wasn't really lying about that, but. But anyway, uh, in verse 32 of Acts 19, it says, Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused. And the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. And the word assembly there is ecclesia. Uh, and it's used three times in that passage again in verse 39. But if you inquire anything concerning other matters, it shall be determined in a lawful assembly. And you could interchange the word church. You'll be right, because that's what the word church means. And then in verse 41 again, and when he had thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly. Uh, so when the Bible uses the word church, it's almost always referring to a local church. And of course, each local church is a body of Christ. So when we talk about the church, uh, we are talking about a local assembly. Uh, there was no known thing as a denomination or a universal church until Augustine came on the scene, really. I mean, there was people starting to talk about it. Uh, well, I, wait a minute. 
Constantine come on the scene. Uh, in his book, uh, Sacred Betrayal, James Beller said this, For the first 300 years of Christian history, the believers were scattered in their local assemblies, administered by pastors, and they called them bishops back then. They had fellowship one with another because of common doctrine. There was no hierarchy, no central control, no dominion over the state, no church-state relationship at all. So when he says no hierarchy or no central control, what he means there is there was no denominations. That's a man-made thing. Um, the Catholic Church is a man-made thing. You know, when they say Catholic, when they call themselves, in fact, the word Catholic means universal. So they're a hierarchy that controls all of the churches around the world that call themselves Catholic. But that's not something that's taught in the Bible. Um, when the Bible speaks of a church, it speaks of a local church. Now, sometimes it does use the word in an institutional sense, uh, like we would say the home is in trouble. Okay, who's home? Well, the institution of the home. We're not talking about one particular home. We're not talking about your home or your home. We're talking about the home itself, the institution of the home. And sometimes the word church is used that way. And then other times... When he's talking about more than one, he says churches. For example, in Revelation, uh, um, over and over again, the word churches is used 17 times in Revelation. Uh, Revelation 2.29, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So again, they were talking about local assemblies there. Uh, so that's what a church is. It's a local body of baptized believers joined together for the furtherance of the gospel. And as we think about giving, tithing, and offerings, uh, you know, it's, it's, the church is to be supported by the tithes and offerings of God's people. You know, it kind of irritates me, I guess is a good word. When I see... Um, People that call themselves Christian standing out on the highway at red lights with buckets asking for money for certain causes. I, you know, I'm not a confrontational person. But, you know, I've been tempted to stop and roll down the window and say, what's the problem? Isn't your God big enough to supply the needs for your ministry? So you have to beg from the world? That wouldn't be a nice thing to say, I know, but, but yeah, God's the churches are to be supported by the tithes and offerings of the people. So, so first of all, let's look at what uh, what is the tithe. What is the tithe? Um, let's go back to Genesis 14. Now, some people will say, "Well, we're not supposed to tithe today because that's under the law." Well, I'm sorry, but it predates the law. Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14, verse 17 is the first mention of the tithe. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him, and after his return from the slaughter of the Chedorlomer, and of the kings that were with him in the valley of Sheba, which is the king's dale, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And notice, and he gave them tithes of all. 
So Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek. And this is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 2. It mentions that Abraham gave tithes unto Melchizedek. So the tithe really was begun before the law. It was before the law. 500 years before the law was given by Moses. Of course, Moses then commanded the children of Israel also to give the tithe. In, in Leviticus 27, verse 30, uh, we see it says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. So, so here uh, uh, God commands through Moses that, that children of Israel are to tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. The tithe belongs to God. And we, there's another point here we can make. We're to give of our gross of all, he says, before taxes. Uh, that's what the tithe is. Of course, the tithe is 10%. So this was given by Moses and commanded. And, of course, they were, this was to provide, as we see from Malachi, it was brought into the storehouse. And it, it, it was how the, need, the needs of the priests were met so they could minister of the holy things. Uh, and, of course, we see further as commanded by Malachi. And also, um, Jesus commanded it. Matthew 23, verse 23. Matthew 23, 23. Speaking to the Pharisees. Jesus said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have admitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done, and not to leave the other undone. So he wasn't saying, you know, you tithe. You know, you shouldn't be tithing. You should be worried about judgment. No, he's saying you should tithe, but you should be worried about judgment, mercy, and faith also. Um, so, so you know, again, he commanded it. Uh, and it was, of course, given, if we, if we go to the storehouse today, it's the church. Go to 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches, there's the word churches is mentioned, of Galatia, there was more than one church in that area, even so do ye, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So they bring it to the church. And we find this is what they did in the book of Acts. In the, early, the first church there at Jerusalem, uh, in Acts ch chapter 4 and 5, now these weren't really ties that it talks about there. You remember there was a, there was a great uh, 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 need in that church because of the persecution, and there was people, you know, because of their putting their faith in the Lord Jesus and being baptized, they had, they had lost their, their, their uh, means of income, and, and you know, they had been ostracized by the Jewish uh, uh, leaders and so on and so forth. So a lot of them were in dire need, and so some that had Barnabas was one of those, Ananias and Sapphira were another. And they, you know, Barnabas sold land and they brought it and they laid it at the apostles' feet. It says, in other words, they brought it to the church, to the to the to the leaders there, and laid it at the apostles' feet. You know, it was a good thing Ananias and Sapphira did, but they lied about the amount. You know, they, they sold 
Uh, God commend them for that. But they lied about what they, you know, they didn't bring it all as they said they did. So these were brought, and this is brought to meet to supply the needs of the ministry of the church. Go to First um, Corinthians chapter nine. I want to look at two things here. First Corinthians nine, <clears throat> and then we'll also go to Timothy, First Timothy five. But First Corinthians nine. In verse uh, 7, Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that, ha that thresheth in hope shall be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things... Live of the things of the temple. And of course, he's talking, making reference there to the priests in the temple in the Old Testament. And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. So the, the, the bread that was baked for the uh, uh, um, temple use, also the priests partook of that, but also the offerings that people brought and the sacrifices, some of that went to the priests to provide their food. Uh, verse 14, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So, you know, just like we, we noticed this morning that Mary Magdalene and uh, Susanna, and I'm trying to remember the other lady's name, who was the wife of the steward of Herod, you know, they ministered or they gave of their earthly things to provide the needs of Jesus and the disciples as they traveled. I mean, think of it. Peter... And Andrew and James and John left their source of livelihood to follow Jesus. They left their nets. So they were taken care of by the offerings that people gave to them. Like Mary Magdalene and, and Susanna and the wife of, of Herod Stewart. So that's the purpose, or that's what the tithes of God's people are to be used for. Uh, the ministry of the church. Go to, to uh, um, First Peter, or I'm sorry, First Timothy chapter five. First Timothy chapter five also talks about this. First Timothy chapter five, <clears throat> verse sixteen says, "If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged." that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. So this passage earlier it talks about widows in verses uh, uh, three and, uh, 2 and 3 and 4 uh, and 5 talks about widows and widows indeed. So these were widows who had no family. But he's saying here is that if there are widows that have family, the church should not be put to the burden of taking care of them. Um, but if they didn't have family, it was the church's responsibility to provide and take care of these widows. 
They didn't have Social Security back then. There were no government programs to take care of people who may have, through maybe no fault of their own or, or maybe fault of their own, were handicapped and could not work or were left uh, without a source of income because a husband died. Women didn't work, by the didn't, didn't go outside the home back then, by the way. It was rare. So, so they were provided for. They were dependent upon the men to provide for them. But if, if a man died, why, she was left destitute unless she had children to take care of her. So, so that's what a widow indeed is, somebody without anybody to provide for her, no means to provide. And then the church was to be charged or burdened with that responsibility, taking care of her. And then it goes on, it says, and let the elders... That word elder is another word used interchangeably with bishops, overseers, or pastors. That rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Now, so it's talking about here uh, you know, you know, uh, paying the preacher. Oh, I was a little nervous talking about this, but that's what I was talking about, so I might as well talk about it. Uh, paying the preacher, taking care of his, his uh, uh, physical needs, or his, you know, his financial needs. And, uh, and, and then he goes, it gives us this illustration of, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. So you have a, a treadmill, and they attach an ox to that, and he walks around it all day. And he's treading out corn, and he's walking on it. And he says, you're not to put a muzzle on him. What would happen to the ox if you muzzled him and left him there all day working with a muzzle? What would happen to him by the end of the day? He'd get a little weak. Yeah. So... So that's, that is what the purpose of the tithes of God's people is to take care of the needs of the ministry. Uh, pay the, you know, take care of the pastors, and of course if there's widows indeed, of course you know in, in, now that we have buildings, we have building expenses, and uh, you know, in this day of time there's lots of other things that we have, literature and all those things that is to provide for. And so we are commanded to tithe. The tithe is not an offering. The Bible says the tithe is the Lord's. And Malachi tells us if you don't tithe, you're a robber. You're a thief. So God commands us to tithe. Uh, somebody said the tithe is obligatory. It belonged to the Lord. An offering is optional. The Lord is pleased with them. But it's optional. The tithe, it's our responsibility to bring it. The offering, it's a privilege to give it. The tithe is a matter of honesty. The offering proves our love. Uh, the tithe is the same percentage or proportionate for everyone. It's 10%. The offering, it's a personal test of appreciation. You decide how much you want to give. So, so that's the difference between the tithe and offering. But, but one want to notice then also the faith promise giving. And you know, the purpose of faith promise giving is to support missionaries 
to uh, reproduce ourselves. You know, that's the purpose of a church. It's to reproduce itself. And as you think about missions, I, I saw this the other day. I thought it was good. I'm going to read it to you. It's by C.H. Spurgeon as he talks about mission boards. He says, we must never think of leaving God's work to societies. That's what they called them back then, missionary societies. We call them mission boards today. They have had their day and have supplied a great lack created by the loss of apostolic spirit. But it is now time that the aroused and revived church should assume her true position and do her own work. Fifty years or more of missionary societies have been trying to convert the world, and albeit that many souls have been saved, therefore the effort has been, has been far from useless, yet compared with apostolic success, they have been a miserable failure. All these years we have spent ten times the money with not a tenth of the success of the early evangelistic effort. In my inmost soul, I believe that the Lord is not with most of our foreign missions, and why? Because God never called the missionary society to do the work. He never bade the missionary society become the spouse of Christ and to bring forth sons unto him. His offspring, his seed, which shall reward him for his own his soul's travail, just spring from his own well-beloved bride. The local church, God's ordained agent for missions, much as I value all good societies, I cannot hesitate to declare that the church is the ordained agent and that all besides is human and derives authority only from man. Hence I say of the society for the conversion of the heathen, is that it is a man-constituted body and not of God. The Lord will work not by committees, but by his churches. The church must do her own work, and when all our churches are thoroughly aroused by this fact, and every congregation shall send forth its own men, pray for their own men, and support their own men, we shall see greater things than we have ever dreamed." Unquote. So it's the church's responsibility to send the gospel around the world. You know, Jesus said, in Act, or I told the disciples before he ascended back to heaven in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. He was speaking here to the, to the, the disciples, the church at Jerusalem. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in, in uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Now I said both. So he means all these places at all the same time. Now, the only way that you can do that is through missionaries sending people out, like we've sent the Francis out. And really, we have a part in sending out the Jones family, the Shaws, the Bishops, the Forneys, and the Mitchells. Did I miss one? Loops. Uh, we, have, we have seven missionaries that we're supporting. So, so faith promise. Again, faith promise is giving over and above your tithe. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. <clears throat> it's over and above the tithe. The tithe is the Lord. Uh, God commands us to give the tithe. Faith promise giving is something that we pledge or promise to give over and above the tithe to the Lord to 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 to. to in order to reproduce ourselves. That's, you know, that's, that's what our missionaries are doing. They're working to reproduce a church like ours someplace else. Mexico, Port Portugal, Greenland, uh, Taiwan, and so on. Uh, so first of all, it is 
given of a willing mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3 says, For their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So they were willing of themselves. And verse 12 again, For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. So this is a free will offering. It's between you and the Lord. It's not the tithe. God doesn't command it, but he's pleased with it. He's pleased with it. It's between you and the Lord. Uh, in chapter 9, verse 7, there he says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So it is a it is a gift, something we give of a willing mind that pleases the Lord. Secondly, it is evidence of genuine love for the Lord. Notice in, in 2 Corinthians 8, again, verses 1 through 5, he gives us this example of those Macedonian brethren. Uh, one of those churches in Macedonia was the church at Philippi. And he says, More, brethren, we do you wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift, take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first go their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. So these people you know, gave out of their poverty. You know, they, they weren't just, well, I got some extra money laying around, so I guess I'll give it to missions. No. No, they felt a responsibility given to them by the command of God to reproduce themselves, to see other churches started, just like somebody had given money so Paul could come to them with the gospel. They wanted to give of themselves so that Paul could go somewhere else and give the gospel. That Paul could do for, that the Lord could do for somebody else what he did for them in sending them a missionary. And they gave out of their Paul said they're deep poverty. You know, it doesn't matter how poor someone is, they can give something. Now, the amount may not be, you know, if you would go to the Philippines, you know, the, 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 a lot of places in the Philippines, people are very poor. And uh, <clears throat> there was a period of time there that there was, a, uh, at least in Pennsylvania, I don't know if it was happening here, but there was a, there was a mission agency in Ohio, Ohio that, that uh, there was a lot of native Filipinos coming over through that mission, age, mission agency and, and going to churches in America getting support. And, and a lot of pastors jumped on that because they, they would say this, hey, they don't need very much. Yeah, they don't need very much support because uh, they can live cheap over in the Philippines. 
I have a problem with that. They're taking American money, Filipinos taking American money and going back to the Philippines. And what usually happens is when they come over to America and get American money and go back to their native countries, they live higher than the natives. And they lose the respect of the natives. One mission director I know said, yeah, and they go back to the Philippines. They come here and they raise, raise support and they, and, 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 and they can go back and have lots of money and they drive around in Chevy Suburbans while everybody else is maybe driving a moped or walking. No, if they're Filipino, they should be getting support from Filipino churches. It doesn't, you see, we don't, in, in the Philippines, they don't need, they don't need a church building like we do here. You know, it, and again, it doesn't matter how, how poor they are, they can give something. So, so, um, uh, we are to give to missions, and we are to, to give, you know, it, it shows a genuine love for the Lord, and to reproduce ourselves. I'm not sure where I was going with that, but, but anyway. Um, so it manifests our love for the Lord. Notice verse 8, it says, I speak not by commandment, by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. So it proves, again, your love for the Lord and His work. You might say it reveals your focus. You remember in Matthew chapter 6, uh, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and um, he tells them, Lay not for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and the rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through nor steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so giving to faith promise to missions reveals your focus. Am I concerned about spiritual things? Or am I more concerned about earthly things? It also, of course, the other thing... It, about faith promises, if you give sparingly, you reap sparingly. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Again, every man according as he purposes in heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always have all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So if we give sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. It's the same with a farmer. If you plant little seed, you'll get a smaller crop. Um, 
you know, we were, we would plant wheat. We plant three bushel of acres if we wanted to to have wheat to sell. So we'd get 50 bushels to the acre of wheat from that three acres or three bushels we planted. Now, if we wanted a cover crop that we were going to plow down in the spring, or just to st you know just to hold the ground over the winter, you'd plant one bushel or a bushel and a half because you weren't expecting a yield out of that. You see, so you get you reap what you sow. Uh, Proverbs, in Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25, gives us that same principle. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says, There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. So, talking about giving, and yet it increases. And that's what, that's what 2 Corinthians 9 is about. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, or more than is fit, or more than is right, but it tendeth poverty. You see, the children of Israel, Malachi 3, were withholding more than was right. And Haggai told them, you brought your wages home, and I put holes in your pockets. Why? Because they withheld from God what was His. You see, this is a matter of faith. Do you believe God will take care of you and give you what you need or not? That's the question. So there is a scatter, yet increases. There is that withholdeth more than his meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that water shall be watered also himself. Now, so again, the idea there is if you give liberally, God will give to you liberally. You're not going to give God. So, so you again, you reap what you sow. Uh, and, of course, God wants, desires fruit to abound to your account. So, and it, then, then also, it is according to what you have. I think I mentioned this already. Verse 12 of, of chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians says, For there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Again, those people in Philippines, you know, sometimes, you know what they give? Chickens or goat. Um, out in the villages. And, uh, you know, but, they, but everybody can give something. So it's according to what you have, not what you don't have. You know, the, the rich men, when they can't pass the treasure, they were throwing in coins, you know. And this little widow came by and she threw in two mites. According to one commentator, that's one-fifth of a cent, two mites. And Jesus said she cast in more than they all but because she, she gave it of her poverty not out of her abundance. So, it is according to what you have, not what you have not. And of course, it is an act of faith for God to supply. Notice again, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 8 and 9. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. So it is an act of faith. Faith promise giving is an act of faith. 
we ask God to give us, give to us so that we can give it. You know, God, you know, isn't it a blessing that God desires to use us to reach others with the gospel? And, and you know, a lot of that is through our giving uh, of our finances uh, to the Lord's work. So it is an act of faith. And then uh, it also results in thanksgiving or brings glory uh, to God. Notice verses 11 through 15. Being enriched, 2 Corinthians 9 11, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. I don't know if you remember uh, when Andy Bishop was here the last time in his DVD pre- presentation. Um, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember the, uh, uh, one, uh, the two guys that he trained uh, for the ministry there, but one of them shared his testimony and how thankful he was that churches in America gave so Andy and Lois could go to Mexico and bring them the gospel. And now, because we gave that Andy and Lois could go to Mexico, take the gospel to them, now he is able to go and give the the gospel to his own people. But it was because churches like us gave so that Andy and Lois could go and give him the gospel. See, it results in thanksgiving to God by many. By many. And it's fruit that will bound to our account. Philippians chapter 4, <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 18, says, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate, that word communicate means to giving, that they gave, with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once again unto my necessity, not because I desire gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. So it brings, it results in others bringing thanksgivings to God for our giving. You know, it's, you know, Paul called it an experiment. It's something we get to experience. We get to share in the blessings of God of having others giving thanks to God because we gave. So that the, the bishops, the Joneses, the Loops, the Mitchells, the Forneys, the Shaws, and the Francis could take the gospel to others who had never heard. You see, God wants us to be actively involved, not only in supporting our church, 
but supporting giving out the gospel in other places, in our Judea, Samaria, and uttermost part of the earth. Um, and we do that by giving our tithes to the church and supporting missions through our faith promise giving. Might God help us to be faithful. You know, we are, Paul said, we are laborers together with God. You realize that you're laboring in Greenland in a real way? Taiwan, Russia, through our giving. We're laboring in those places and getting fruit abounds to our account. So let's not give sparingly. Let's give willingly. Let's pray.